Well, if you've got your Bibles, um, which I hope you do, you're in church, you should have your Bibles. Amen. <laughs> Philippians chapter 4. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 4, if you would. Um, I, I, here's what I think. When, when we as Christians, when we as Christ followers come to understand the unifying power of praise, the praise of the Lord Jesus Christ, I think we'll begin to see the destruction of demonic strongholds. And, and us singing praise to the King of Kings, um, this is what Satan doesn't want you to know. Listen, Satan doesn't want you to understand that you have been given authority in this life. Satan does not want you to know that you have authority over him. God has given you as a Christ follower, as a child of King Jesus, you have been given authority over Satan. And this is, and when we have authority, we shouldn't just talk about it. We should act on it. And we, we, when we come to understand this, this is what I want us to understand. As Christ followers, we can take a stand against the demonic strongholds in our town by opening our mouths and uttering absolute praise to our great God. So when we sang, sing these songs, I, I love this morning as I heard you guys are getting louder and louder every week. And maybe, hopefully, before the year is out, the roof will just be rattled by how loud we sing. I, I love it. So don't, don't think that that's not, a, that's not a thing that's not needed. I think we should sing loudly, even if we're off key. Amen? We sing loudly. That's, that's what Christ has called us to do. So as we enter into Philippians chapter 4, um, we see some stuff going on in the text here. This is an interesting thing um, because when Satan can try to get inside of a church and kind of cause uh, some problems, it, 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 it's interesting in this first couple of verses, we're going to start, we're going to go through verses 1 through 5 today, or actually 2 through 5, because chap, verse 1 actually is connected to still uh, chapter 3, but... Uh, we're going to start in verse 2, but I, I want us to look at this because there's this, there's this uh, faction or argument that's taking place between two Christian women in the church. And um, so Paul is urging the church to implore these two ladies that they need to, to uh, come together and agree on the gospel. So let's look at verse 2. We're going to start in verse 2 and then we'll keep going. I, I entreat Eudoria... And I entreat Scythinchi to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. So, these two women are believers. These are not non-believers. These are ladies in the church who have a desire to follow Jesus. They have a desire to do some ministry. So Paul said, listen, these ladies have done ministry side by side with me. So he's, he's urging the church. He's imploring these two ladies to come together. It, it, is, it is vital for a church to have spiritual, in order for the church to have spiritual stability, we, we need to, as believers, it is vital to have mutual love, harmony, and peace with one another. And so, he is asking 
that the church come alongside these two ladies and help them reconcile, help them come together, and to focus on Christ. And so apparently... This was such a bad disagreement that it, that it was on the verge of actually destroying the church of Philippi. And you say, well, Caleb, my actions don't really, don't, I, I can do my own thing and it doesn't bother anybody. Listen, you don't get to sin in isolation. You don't get to have an argument in isolation in the church. It affects other people. It affects other people. And so this was such a bad disagreement that the church was on the verge of being destroyed. So Paul uses the word entreat or implore or to reason with these ladies. And so there's this idea that that he says, listen, there's power in praise. There's power in rejoicing in who Jesus is. So he keeps going in verse 4 after telling these ladies, listen, I implore you to get together on this and and to to get your minds straight. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. I think of that back, back to the, you know why I know that verse so well? I think of that song when I was their age. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. Rejoice. Remember? You guys remember that song? I grew up with that song, so that was out of this text. And so the idea here is to rejoice in the Lord always. Always rejoice. There's power in praise. There's power in the ability to bring forth rejoicing of praise to the Lord. And then he follows up in verse 5. He says, "As as a result of rejoicing in who God is, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. So obviously... There was some unreasonableness going on in the church. And so he starts and says, listen, you've got to start by rejoicing who in who God is. Again, I'm going to tell you, rejoice. Rejoice. He's reminding them again. Remember in chapter 3, he said rejoice in the Lord also in chapter 3. So again, he's saying, listen, okay, I know there's some problems in the church. I know that there's some, dis- there's some disagreements. There's some arguments. Anybody in the room ever had some arguments or disagreements? A couple of you? Everybody else is perfect? Awesome. Fantastic. So maybe I'm preaching to the wrong crowd this morning. I don't know. But he's reminding the church here again, as he did in chapter 3, that the sphere of where your joy is to be placed is in the midst of, in the middle of, the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because Christ has done so much to redeem and set us free, we should be firmly planted in that work of Christ. And so therefore, as a result of being planted firmly in the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, we'll be able to find joy in all circumstances, even in the middle of difficult people. We'll be able to find joy in the midst of difficulties and difficult people. So he says, rejoice in the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Always, and again I say it, rejoice. And as a result of rejoicing, what comes next? Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Reasonableness. This is to be able to make a sound or fair judgment. Having a reasonable cognitive ability to communicate, to express reasonable ideas. This is a pretty clear command from Paul. 
We're called by Scripture to be reasonable, to have wisdom about certain things. And, and those things, having wisdom and reasonableness, they go hand in hand. They go side by side with one another. We're called by the, by the Scriptures to have these, these kind of things happen in all circumstances. In fact, James chapter 3, James expands on this and echoes this idea as well. He says, but wisdom... 317, if you're writing down notes, which I think you should be, James chapter 3, verse 17 says, But let wisdom come from above first, be, be, be pure, then peaceable, then gentle, then open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And I'm telling you, one of the biggest things, one of the biggest things that I have observed in the church for over 40 years, being in the church for over 40 years now, I have seen one of, the, one of the things that is the most divisive, one of the most problematic issues in the church is how fast people can get bent out of shape with, we, with one another. It doesn't take much to get folks in church wrinkled up at each other. It doesn't take much to get people in the church ready to wring each other's necks. It doesn't take much. And so the scriptures over and over and over and over again say, listen... This is how we should be handling difficulties. This is how we should be working with one another in different areas. First of all, James says, the wisdom that we need comes from above. So the wisdom that we need to have comes from God himself. And how does that wisdom become or come down from heaven above? He wrote it down. God wrote down the wisdom that you and I are supposed to have right here in these 66 sacred books called the Bible. And so, one of the things, like I said, over the last 40 years, I, I see how people just, I've seen folks in church get bent out of shape over the color of carpet. Anybody ever seen that one? That's a weird one to happen. Well, I want red carpet. Well, I want gray carpet. Well, I want blue carpet. And then you've got just, oh, it just gets nuts. It gets crazy. But if all of us in the room, if all of us who heard this, this message took this one singular verse and applied this one singular verse in everything that we do, everything would be different in the church because everything would come from an idea of God Give us wisdom from your word. And as a result of you giving us wisdom, here's what we're going to have first and foremost. We're going to be pure. Number one, we're going to be pure. That's what the text says. First is pure. That, that would be the intentions of our words and our actions. The idea of having a pure intention, a pure heart, a pure action. In fact, Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, this is what Jesus says. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. That's pretty plain and straightforward, right? Those who have a pure heart are going to see God. Do you want to see God? That's a question. Do you want to see God? Those who have a pure heart will see God. But those who don't have a pure heart, by logic and reason, guess what? You ain't going to see God. Those who have a pure heart will see God. How do you get a pure heart? Well, you have to be given a new heart by God. Because, listen, every one of us were born with a dark, impure heart. 
And so you have to be given a new heart that comes directly from the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why this, that, that's why it, it is so vital that you trust the Lord Jesus Christ because the only way you receive a pure heart is to be set aside by God Himself. God gives you that new pure heart. He does. You can't get a good pure heart by doing certain things. You mustering, okay, I'm going to white knuckle this week and I'm going to try harder to have a pure heart. You can't do it on your own. Because your heart is bent towards the things of wickedness. Your heart is bent, your earthly, fleshly heart is bent towards the things of evil. God has to give you a new heart. And he, when he gives you a new heart, that's when your heart becomes pure. And you've been born again, John chapter 3. You're born again, so your intentions are different. Your, your allegiances are different. But a pure heart is a, has, a, has a wisdom to it. A godly wisdom that manifests itself in purity. Purity of intention, purity of words, and purity of deeds. So that's, that's the first thing we see. Number two, we see a peaceableness. Being peaceable. Being willing to live in peace with human beings. And I know that that is a difficult thing for most people in the world. Because man... If somebody cuts you off in traffic, if somebody says something about you, if you read something you don't agree with, man, you are, we are quick to want to go to war. We are quick to want to fight with people over things that really aren't fight, fight worthy. So one of the things that James says here is that for the wisdom that comes from above is first pure, then it's peaceable. This wisdom that comes from, from above is peaceable. This is the idea of being able to live in peace with all human beings around us. And listen, we have a real problem with that in the world. Because how many of us, everybody in the room, how many of y'all love being right? If you're not raising your hand, you're a liar. Every one of us in the room, like, how many of us like being wrong? How many of us like telling the other people we were right? Anybody? Yeah, PJ back there. Come on. It's my people. Because listen, I do too. How many of us like to be right? Everyone... Wants to have the last word, the last good comeback, the last zing, the last little bit. Listen, I'm married. I know how this goes. We want to have that last come. And how many of it? And it's so hard when when she says something. I'm just like, I want to. I want to say something back. Anybody? Married people, come on, help me. Don't make me out here by myself. Like I want to zing her back. I want to get her back. But that's, that's wrong. To have the last word, to have the last zing, that's wicked. That's sinful. That's why I say biblical Christianity is different than cultural Christianity. Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, the next verse, remember we were just talking about this? Blessed are the, are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. What's the next one? Verse 9 says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Woo! So the pure in heart are going to see God, but furthermore, those who live in peace with others, they're going to be called children of God. Listen, I'd rather be called or known as a son of God rather than to be known as right or having the last word in, in any of these arguments. Because here's the thing, the majority of the arguments that we have 
aren't going to matter in 10 years. Shoot, they're not going to matter in six months, most of them. Most of them. Man, we just want, I want to, I want to be right, Caleb. I want to have the last word. I want to do the thing. I want me, 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 me. If all of us started living our lives in such a way that we put someone else's needs before ours in the church and even outside of the church, this place would explode with joy. We would be known as the people that try to outdo one another and honoring one another. In fact, you, Romans chapter 12, verse 10 says, Love one another with a brotherly affection and outdo one another in showing each other honor. What would it look like if us as a church, we worked hard at trying to outdo each other in showing each other honor. No, let me get that door for you. No, no, let me get, I'll get that door for you. No, no, we try to outdo one another. Why? Because we love one another with a brotherly affection. We want to show each other honor. What would it look like, rather than trying to outdo one another and getting ahead, what would it look like if we tried to outdo one another in the area of showing honor? I'm telling you, this place would be a joyous place to be. Man, I can't wait to get there. They love each other so well. Even though they're weird, they love each other. Even though they've got different opinions and different ideas, man, they try their hardest to make sure that the other person is seen and loved. What would that look like? So, making peace with those around us. Wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, then it's gentle. Number three, it's gentle. Being gentle in how we handle theological issues as well as cultural issues. And, and I'm not saying that we have to cave. Listen, I am not the guy saying you've got to cave on your convictions because, listen, you don't have to cave on your convictions. You can still have convictions about things. There are things that I have convictions on. From a biblical worldview. Now, I don't take that theological information like a sledgehammer and come in here and just ah! just get after it. I use it like a surgeon does. Use your theological knowledge like a, like a surgeon with a scalpel in the hopes of bringing restoration and redemption. Not a, not a, not a club to just destroy and, and, and rip apart. Wise Christians, wise Christians could really shake the world up if they came at some of the things that we come at with some whimsy and some biblical tact. Some gentleness is what the text says. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 24, or 23 through 24 says, The heart of the wise man makes his speech judicious and adds persuasiveness to his lips. Gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. Now that will preach. You got some, listen, you can, there, there's some things you could say that are, that are, you have convictions that some fire in the belly, but man, you can say it in a way that's whimsical because man, Jesus is better. Here's why Jesus is better. What would it look like if we came at people and said, rather than what we're against, what we're for, what are we for? What are we for? Man, I'm, I'm for the kingdom of God to be advanced. How does the kingdom of God get advanced? Through us preaching and proclaiming the good news. Now, is it going to be offensive to some folks? Absolutely. Because how many of us love to have our sin exposed? 
Nobody loves to have their sin exposed, but it's necessary. And there's a way to go about exposing people's sin and showing them, listen, there's a better way. There's a better direction that you can go. There's a better path to follow. Rather than be like, you're an idiot. That, that doesn't go well. How many of you in the room, you walk in, you're, how many husbands, wives, if you're a husband, husbands, if you walked in and you look at your wife, you're like, you're stupid. How would that go? I can tell you, in my house, it wouldn't go well. In any conversation, if somebody walks up to you and be like, let me list out the reasons why you're an idiot. You're immediately on the defense of you like, man, let me, all right, here we go, right? But what if we came in with some whimsy and some biblical gentle tact? Be like, listen, I, I love that, man. There's, there's certain guys that will come in and they preach. And by the end of that was my, the power of my dad. My dad had an ability to like list out all the reasons you're a moron. But it was like, you know what? He's right. Golly. Just makes you feel like, man, I need to get right with the Lord. And golly. That, it was just, that's how he could do things. He was good at that, wasn't he? He was good at that stuff. Why? Because he had wise, judicious speech that had a persuasiveness to it. Like, listen, you and I as Christians are to persuade others to come over. Listen, we're persuading. Listen, here's why Jesus is better. Here's why you should repent of your sins and trust in Jesus. Because after you die, listen, eternity's long. Listen, I'm not coming at you saying you've got to repent of your sins so I can say, listen, I was right. I'm coming at you saying repent of your sins so that you can find the joy of who Jesus is and to know how amazing our God is. These, these gracious words that I'm trying to tell you, honeycomb is like honeycomb, sweet to the soul and health to the body. If we used our words in such a way to paint the glory of the goodness of God, before humanity, I think we could really see some amazing things happen. I, I really do. We as Christians should be like a team of surgeons when it comes to our words rather than a demolition team. A demolition team comes in and doesn't matter, man. They'd, they beat a wall down, nobody cares. Because there's not, they're not worried about the repercussions. A surgeon goes in and he's worried about the repercussions. So he doesn't just come in with a, with a knife and start slashing with a hatchet. He starts with his scalpel gently removing the things out of the body that need to be removed. Why? So that there can be life there. So we have this idea of being gentle. Bringing in biblical wisdom and biblical knowledge in a gentle way that is effective. Man, that's what I'm praying that I do, is I bring in gently, that's what John MacArthur said, lead the sheep gently. That's what we're supposed to do. Lead them. I know sometimes, listen, I ain't the Holy Spirit. Sometimes the Holy Spirit can jerk us around. Anybody in the room been jerked around by the Holy Spirit? It happens. I know. But listen, I'm not the Holy Spirit. All I can do is point you towards Him and use His Word as the, as the instrument to say, hey, listen, come follow Jesus. He's better. So number, that's number three. Number four, being open to reason. So this is the idea of being re, having, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Open to reason. We should be known as men and women who are able to have a rational, reasonable conversation with everyone. 
even if we disagree with them. This is why Paul was imploring the church to keep their heads about them. My dad used to say, hey, sober up. Sober up. Don't, don't lose your head, boy. When you have these conversations, don't lose your head. One of the things he said, when you stand behind the pulpit, you can tell people that they're going to hell, but don't do it with a, with a gleam in your eye. You tell them they're going to hell and plead with them to come back. Plead with them to come back. Have a reasonableness. Keep your head about you with, with these debates. With, the, with any type of argument, keep your head about you. Don't lose control when you disagree. The people who remain cool under pressure always win. The people who get angry and scream and cuss and flip out and act like complete idiots, that's when you lose. That's when you lose. So Paul says, if you name the name of Christ... You should be rational, a rational and reasonable human being because Christ was rational and reasonable with you. Now listen, Christ could have slashed and whipped and beaten. He, listen, he could have. And moment, there were moments he did. The temple. Remember the temple? Walked into that temple. Flipped tables. He could, but listen, that's Jesus. He didn't call me to flip tables. He calls me what? To preach the gospel. So be open to reason. Have some reasonableness about you. Keep your, you don't have to agree with everybody. But keep your head about you when you disagree. Number five. Be full of mercy and good fruits. Full of mercy and good fruits. So as a result of having Christ abide in you, not only should you have a reasonableness with you in your conversations and your speech, but there should be mercy that exudes out of you. You should be willing, because Christ abides in you, you should be willing to hand out mercy like it's water. Why? Because you've been given so much mercy. Well, how do you know I've been given mercy, Caleb? You woke up. You woke up. Listen, None of us deserve to wake up this morning, but God said in his, saw fit in his mercy to say, listen, I'm going to let you breathe a little bit more. I'm going to give you another day. I'm going to give you a few more moments on the planet. So because we've been given much mercy, we should be willing to hand out mercy. This is one of the things that James says here. James said, listen, to be full of mercy. You want to be a wise, reasonable person? Be willing to hand out mercy because mercy has been given to you. Not, not only are you to be filled with mercy, but you're to be filled with good fruits. Those go hand in hand. Having mercifulness and good spirit-filled fruits. And listen, I'm not talking about carrying around a basket of apples and oranges and bananas. I used to sing that in high school. We had a high school ministry that we used to do. And I was one of those, the fruit of the spirit's not a banana. And we went through all these different things. What is the fruit of the spirit well i'm glad you asked um the fruit of the holy spirit is and y'all y'all should know this love joy peace patience kindness gentleness faithfulness self-control remember those for the fruit is so that that song said hey fruit of the, fruit of the spirit's not a banana but it, here's what it is here's what it is According to Galatians 5, it's love, joy, patience, peace, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And against such things, 
There is no law. So that the idea there in Galatians 5 is, listen, when you exude the, the fruits of the Holy Spirit, there's no law under heaven or earth that will come against you. Why? Because you're doing what God's called you to do. There's nobody that says, listen, you're too, you're too joyful. You're, you're too peaceful. You're too patient. Oh, I can't stand those patient people. They're so, they're so patient. Nobody says that, right? Tyler, you never say that, do you? Is, she, is that because is that you're patient? That's why I was just checking. All right. It, Kylie, is he, is he patient? Is he the patient one? Is she? Oh, okay, well. Kindness? Nobody, that guy was so kind. I can't stand those kind people. Well, those guys that are generous. Man, I can't stand those guys that are generous. Nobody, inside or outside the church, can't, nobody says that these things are bad. Everyone, Christian, non-Christian, says the, these fruits are wonderful. And against such things, there is no law. God has no law against these things, and neither does man. Meaning, if you live this way, God will not condemn you. And the only way that we do this well is if the Holy Spirit abides in us. If the Holy Spirit's presence is in us, we will exude these fruits. Now, if the Holy Spirit doesn't abide in us, listen, you ain't going to get these things. You, you ain't going to be gentle. You're not going to have self-control. You're going to want to just get your own thing out there, right? It's number five. Number five is to, is to be full of mercy and good fruits. Number six, be impartial and sincere. Un, impartial means that be unbiased. Not favoring one group over another or treating one better than another. We as Christians should not have favoritism for one group of people or one person over another person. Because here's the thing. It doesn't matter your social status in the kingdom of God. Because in the kingdom of God, none of us are any better than anybody else. As my dad used to say, the ground around the cross is level. There ain't nobody else that gets, oh, I'll get a little higher up. I don't get a little, little higher up. Nobody in the room is a little higher up or even lower. The ground around the cross is level. We should be willing, ready, and able to show impartial kindness to all who walk in our doors. All who walk in our lives. Even those who annoy us. Anybody? Any, uh, any, even those that are difficult. Even those folks that are difficult people. Anybody in the room got some difficult people that walk through their doors sometimes? Maybe you are the person that walks through the door that's difficult. Not me. I'm not difficult. I don't have sin issues. I just got problems. Right? That's how we like to look at it. Oh, everybody else has got sin issues. Yeah. Tyler and Chancey, they got sin issues. I just have problems. Really? Come on. We should be willing, ready, and able to show impartialness impartial kindness to everyone who walks in our lives and, and to be sincere about it not that fake junk don't be fake don't be, don't, don't be fake oh how you doing oh so good to see you when in reality oh I can't stand that person oh it's so good to see you <laughs> oh gosh I'll never forget my, my cousin he, he's a, he, he had a Anybody ever watch that show called Greater Tuna? Joe Sears? 
there was a, a there's two men, there's my cousin Joe and, and Jason, I can't remember his last name. They played all these different parts in this film. And there was this part where this lady, she always had her, he, had her hands up and she just would walk around and she'd be like, glass houses, everybody needs to be, oh, it's so good to see you. So nice to see everybody. And then she, you know, she'd get along, she's like, that woman was the absolute devil. But in front of her, oh, so good. Right? How many of us have seen that? Maybe we've done that. The scripture says, listen, be sincere in your kindness. Listen, let me ask you a question. When you squeeze an orange, what comes out? Go ahead, say it. What kind of juice? Orange juice. When you squeeze an apple, what comes out of an apple? Apple juice. Now, if I squeezed an orange and grape juice came out, what would we, go, what would we say? That'd be, really weird. That'd be really weird, right? But man, listen. Sometimes when you squeeze a Christian, anything but Christ comes out of them. That should be like, oh, that's weird. When, when a Christian is squeezed, Christ should come out of them. But some of you get squeezed, and man, everything but Christ comes out. So why is it that that's the case? Many of us, I think, need to do a self-examination. As 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5 say, examine yourself to see whether you be in the faith. Some of us need to do a, self, a spiritual diagnostic, a heart check, a checkup from the heart up. And it might be that you need to be filled with His presence. Maybe you've never been filled with the Holy Ghost's presence. Now, I ain't talking about the speaking in tongues, gibberish, weird stuff. I'm talking about genuinely having the Holy Spirit fill you with his presence. And when you're filled with his presence, what? Everything is different. His presence. Remember last week how I talked about being filled with his presence, being in, being near Christ. A lot of people want the stuff of Christ. They want the kingdom. They want heaven. They want their mansion. They want the streets of gold. But then you say, hey, man, do you want Jesus? They're like, well, yeah, well, sure. I'll take a little bit of him. Yeah, sure, I'll take a little bit of that. Man, we need to be filled with his presence. We want, should desire his presence. That's what we should be longing for because if we are in his presence, that, that's what will come out of us is the encounter that we've been in. The encounter of his presence to the people in the world around us. This is what it looks like to be a wise Christian who lets their reasonableness be shown to all who we encounter. And why do we do this? Because Christ is at hand. What's the text say? Read it. Let your reasonableness in verse 5, Philippians chapter 5 or 3, I'm sorry. Philippians chapter 4 verse 5. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. The Lord is at hand. This means that the Lord encompasses all believers and His presence is with us. Our kids sang about it last week. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little feet, where you go. Oh, be careful, little mouth, what you say. Everywhere you go, Jesus is with you. 
And so because the Lord is with us, we should be aware of what we are doing and remember, remember that Christ is with us. And I know that the culture has turned this into a silly, ha ha ha, with like the Simpsons. I got Ned, Jesus is watching you. And we giggle and laugh about it. But that's the truth. Christ is with you wherever you go. I remember my dad when I was a teenager, he said, listen, son, if you can't do what you're about to do, if Christ was sitting, could you do what you are about to do if Christ was sitting in the seat with you? If the Lord Jesus Christ was sitting with you in your front seat, could you do what you're about to do? And then he personalized it even more. If your mom was sitting in the front seat with you, could you do what you're about to do? No. No, I couldn't. Well, then if you couldn't do it, if your mom was sitting there and the Lord Jesus, then you shouldn't do it. Because here's the, the honest to God truth. Jesus is sitting with you wherever you go. Whatever you're sitting there watching, whatever you're sitting there listening to, whatever you're talking about, Christ is with you. His presence is with you. The Lord is at hand. So let your reasonableness, let your wisdom be known to everyone that's around you because the Lord is at hand. That's some serious stuff, guys. Christ is with us. So we need to be paying attention. Oh, be careful, little hands, what you do. Oh, be careful. And that's another idea. If, if, you, if we just took that simple childlike song and had childlike faith and just said, listen, oh, be careful, little feet, where you go. I'm going to think about where I go. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. I'm going to be careful what I watch. Oh, be careful, little ears, what you listen to. I'm going to be careful because Christ is at hand. I'm not going to listen to some things. I'm not going to look at some things. I'm not going to be a part of some things. Well, Caleb, you might miss out. I'll be okay. I'll be okay if I miss out. I, I thought, listen, I've disconnected my and deleted my Facebook almost four months now. And at the, that first week, I was like, oh, I'm missing out on so much. Had the nervous tick. Checked my phone. I was addicted like a drug addict. It was bad. But man, I'm four months out, man. I, ignorance is bliss, baby. I care less. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. Why? Because God's present. God's presence is with us. And that's what we should long for. We as Christians should long for the presence of God, not just His stuff. Amen? That's what we should strive after. Yeah.